Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Harlow White Healing Stream, the official podcast of Pastor Harlow White. We hope that you are enjoying this podcast and that this podcast has been a blessing to you. For the month of October, we will focus on the message of Sodom in Egypt. Pastor Harlow White delivered this powerful series of messages on September 5th, 6th, and 7th of 2020. We will play these messages here on the podcast and they will be followed by a powerful message from 1982. Who are the two witnesses? The purpose of this is to show you how God the Father connected this message to what he unveiled almost 40 years ago. Tune in for the next five weeks of this podcast for a powerful word from God. Before we start the message, let's hear from Pastor Harlow White and what he has to say to you today. Welcome to the Harlow White Healing Stream broadcast. I'm Pastor Harlow White. God ordained my life to be a prophet to people of every nation. God has given me a message that will bring salvation, joy, healing, and prosperity to your life. Powers of evil spirits and curses can be broken from your life as I minister this message today. This message is going to every nation on the earth from 72 satellites. Let faith rise up in your heart as I give you this message. Be healed. Be delivered. Be set free. As you feel God doing a miracle in you today, I want to hear from you. Visit my website, HarlowWhiteHealingStream.com. That's H-A-R-L-O-W-H-I-T-E, HarlowWhiteHealingStream.com. Give me your testimony of what God has done for you through the message I have delivered to you today. I want you to pray about making a donation on my donation page, or you can write to me. That's Pastor Harlow, H-A-R-L-O, White, W-H-I-T-E, Pastor Harlow White, Post Office Box 4695, Post Office Box 4695, write that down, Chicago, Illinois, 60680. Get ready to receive what God has for you today, and now go with me into today's message. Well, we're going to go back into the message. The message that we're ministering today is Sodom and Egypt, where also our Lord was crucified. Now, as we go into this message today, uh, there's a couple of things that I would like to uh, say that may help you to understand. What we're dealing with here in relation to Sodom and Egypt, we're dealing with spiritual, spiritually uh, seen cities. Cities like Sodom and Egypt, Sodom and Gomorrah and Egypt, they were spiritual cities as well as they were literal cities. And we are explaining the spiritual city of Sodom 
and comparing it with the literal city of Sodom. That's what we're doing when we go to the book of Revelation. You that have followed along with me in this ministry for uh, the last several years, you understand that we have already received the truth that the book of Revelation is a spiritual book. Amen. And has to be spiritually understood. This is the downfall of religion today. By trying to make everything in the book of Revelation, you know, a literal physical thing. That's why some people think it's never going to happen. Because they read these things. And they don't actually see them happening the way that the book of Revelation says that they're going to happen. And the reason they don't see them happening is because they're not seeing in the spiritual aspect. You see, the sword that he is going to battle against the nations with comes out of his mouth. Now, come on. You really... You definitely can't believe that a literal physical sword is going to be sticking out of the mouth of Jesus, out of a physical body. This is a spiritual thing. All of these things in the book of Revelation are spiritual. And we have been, uh, we're endeavoring to try to explain how the unnatural or the natural sins of uh, people developed out of idolatrous religion, practice, religious practices, of the devotees to that religion of idolatry. When I went into this message yesterday evening, I went into explaining how that the city of Sodom at one time had to have known God. Now, if you came here today just to hear about the destruction of Sodom, you came for the wrong reason. Amen. You see, we're, we're not capitalizing on the destruction of Sodom we're capitalizing in the message today on the spiritual aspect of what God has to say about Sodom. And that's what we're endeavoring to do. And uh, we're also trying to explain the importance of study of these biblical words that we have to go into and really study out and dig to find out exactly what God was saying when the prophets wrote these words. And because when they're translated into the English Bible, we lose a lot of that definition. The definitions that were prevalent in the Hebrew, Chaldee, and the Aramaic languages, they don't come through into the English printed Bible. And that's the whole purpose of us going back and explaining this. And we're also explaining 
uh, and we're going to go back on that too, uh, who Melchizedek was. Who was Melchizedek, and why was he there at Sodom? Okay? You see, if, if you just came here to hear about the unnatural uh, sins of, uh, you know, of Sodom, and then you came for the wrong reason. You should come to hear what God has to say about it spiritually. Amen. Now, as we go into this message today, I want to go back to the book of Revelation, chapter 11. Revelation, chapter 11. And before we start reading, when we do start reading, we're going to be reading about the ministry of two witnesses that prophesy in this city. Now, when we talk about prophesying in this city that is spiritually called Sodom and Egypt, this is, in other words, that is God's descriptive language as to how he sees Sodom and how he sees Egypt. Okay? So as we go into this, these, uh, we have to understand that the city of Sodom stretches all the way from the time of the literal city of Sodom all the way through the Bible, all the way to the book of Revelation. We have to come to understand that this is a spiritual city. Oh, hallelujah. So now, we're going to be reading, and we're going to be actually reading about the two witnesses, which fundamentally, well, what is, quote, unquote, called fundamental uh, religion, religious teaching, they teach that the two witnesses are Moses and Elijah. And they teach that they are going to come to the old city of Jerusalem. That they're going to come to the old city of Jerusalem and prophesy in the old city of Jerusalem. And that after they finish their testimony, which they, the uh, people that are called fundamentalists teach that it is three and one-half years. Three and one-half years. Okay. After they finish that prophesying that they're going to be killed and that their physical dead bodies are going to lie in the streets of Jerusalem and they won't allow them to be put into graves. Well, you see, what we're doing in this message is digging out the spiritual truth that God has said about this city and what God sees about this city. So let's go back to Revelation chapter 11 and verse 7. And when they, the two witnesses, shall have finished their 
testimony. The beast that ascendeth out of the bottomless pit shall make war against them. Now the beast that ascendeth out of the bottomless pit, you have to you have to go back to the Bible and see what what this uh, uh, beast was that was cast into the bottomless pit. The beast that was cast into the bottomless pit was first called the dragon. Now the dragon, and I'm not going to get off on that, but the dragon symbolizes the many different ruling powers that have ruled the earth throughout the ages and how that the dragon continues to rule today. And it goes all the way into the religious ruling of re religious taskmasters that make religious slaves out of the people. That's part of the message of Egypt. Making religious slaves. That means, in other words, that if you don't live up to the practices of their philosophical or theological concepts, uh, you know, uh, then uh, then you you you're going to split hell wide open. That that's the way they put it. Amen. <laughs> so now, when they the two witnesses shall have finished their testimony, the beast that ascendeth out of the bottomless pit shall make war against them. Now, what I was endeavoring to do in the message yesterday is bring your understanding to the point where you could see that the two witnesses are not two individual men. The two witnesses are groups of people. The two witnesses are made up of a mass of people. Hallelujah. Did you get, you get that now? The two witnesses and I was establishing the fact that the two witnesses started all the way back at the time of Abraham. And they started prophesying. Their message goes all through the Bible. And their testimony goes all the way through the Bible. And furthermore, you can find all through the Bible where they were killed because of what they brought and the message they brought and the testimony that they were establishing. They were killed. They were imprisoned. Yes. Now, the, you can find the record of that in the book of Hebrews in chapter 11. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. How that they wandered in, they they were hiding out and all this trying to stay alive, and but the prophecy of the two witnesses started. That means that Sodom started back there, and continues on throughout the ages. That's why when you read about the span of time of the testimony of the two witnesses which they shall prophesy for 1260 days 
And when you change that word days into prophetic language, it becomes years. That's the way prophecy works. Okay, so instead of it being an actual three and one half years, or 1,260 days, the three and one half years at that point becomes the ministry of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Okay, you got that? It becomes the ministry of Jesus Christ that is actually testified through these two witnesses. So somebody said, well, who are the two witnesses? I got to make this clear. The two witnesses are actually called in the Bible the two olive trees and the two candlesticks which stand before the God of the whole earth. Now, when you uh, get into understanding this, then you begin to understand how that uh, these two witnesses and the lifespan of these two witnesses, which is not, like I said, not two individual people, but it is a continuation of an ongoing prophecy that continues to go forth generation after generation after generation all the way up to 2020. As a matter of fact, I could, I could probably pretty easy, easily say that right here on this live stream today, you're listening to the testimony of some of God's two witnesses. Come on. Amen. That's right. When I bring Brother Bob Mellinger and Sister Kim Polk in and what they and Brother David Shepherd with what God has given to these people, then you're listening to the prophecy of the two witnesses. Amen. Hallelujah. And furthermore, this is the message that the dragon does not like. This is the message that the beast that ascends out of bottomless pit does not like. And furthermore, he will do everything in his power to kill you. Hallelujah. Somebody said, okay. Now, so then, uh, maybe this will help you to understand what happened to Job. Job happened to be one of those he happened to be one of the people in the two witnesses. Amen. Amen. And that's why God had to reveal the message to him about Leviathan to let him see what had actually tried to destroy him. And that's the very thing that you're wrestling against today. Don't think you're wrestling a battle against your wife or against your husband. You're wrestling in a battle against the spirit of the dragon and the serpent. Amen. Spiritual wickedness in high places. Amen. 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 Woo. Hallelujah. Hmm. Anybody feeling anything? I yeah, sure amen. felt it there. <laughs> can you hear me? Praise. Yeah, yeah, we can hear you. Yes, Sister Kim. Hey. Pastor. Just yes. want to share right here um, okay. a dream that 
um, I had probably early last week. Uh, just with what you're saying about witnessing and um, the message going forth and what was going on in this in this dream, this vision, uh, which I thought originally was uh, literal. And um, there were all of these little electrical boxes. And these boxes um, were beginning to plug into a main line behind the wall. And wow. I remember the voice, the, 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 the person standing there saying to me, when, when they start plugging into this main line of power, uh, <laughs> they're not going to be happy. They being what I felt in the spirit in the dream, they being a, a system, a type of, of authority and, and, and power that once all of these little boxes and, and as the, the, the days went on, uh, come to understand that these little boxes are these energy circuits that we are, we're the energy and the, the power of God. And as we plug into the main source of Jesus, the Christ, Behind these walls, behind these facades, behind these structures, we plug into that. The systems of men and religion start to crumble. They can't do anything with the power of God that is in each individual to carry the message forward. And the man in the, in the dream was saying they're going to be so upset when you start to plug into this power source that is uh, the, the veil, it's like the veil, the wall was opening up and the power line was sitting right there uh, for, for us to plug into. So I just want to say to all of those that are listening that uh, what's being unveiled this weekend that God has given to Pastor White is certainly that it is our responsibility and obligation to continue unveiling the Christ uh, to the world. And that, so, praise God. Just wanted to share that uh, before I forgot it. And I, the, the spirit, the spirit quickened that scripture, Kim, when you said that, where it said the dragon was wroth with the woman yes. and went to make war with the remnant of her seed. Which keep the commandments of God and, and have, have the spirit of prophecy, the spirit testimony of Jesus, which yeah. is the spirit of prophecy. So that that is a confirmation to your dream that that's what you were seeing. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. That was a prophetic dream. Now, now, you see, folks, the two witnesses, the testimony of the two witnesses has been going on for age after age. Amen. Get that. Now, if you if you just came here to hear Pastor White talk about fire coming down and consuming the city of Sodom, that's that's old stuff. We're here with new things. We're not here just to preach about the destruction of Sodom. We're here to talk about what God does with Sodom after that literal city was destroyed. What happens? Now let's go on because I'm going to be bringing 
uh, Brother Bob in with a revelation here in just a moment. But I want to go back here to Revelation chapter 11 and verse 7. And he said, The beast that ascendeth out of the bottomless pit shall make war against them and shall overcome them and kill them. Somebody said, How is it possible, Pastor White, for the, uh, uh, the beast or the dragon to kill God's messengers? That is because that's part of the testimony. And when you talk about here in prophetic language, them being killed, it doesn't all necessarily mean physically killed. I've had so many people that have tried to kill my reputation, tried to kill me through saying evil things about me, and they have actually done what? Crucified me. Okay. Now, so watch closely what he says. Verse 8, Revelation chapter 11, verse 8. And their dead bodies shall lie in the street of the great city. Look at it. Which spiritually is called Sodom. Now look at it. Which spiritually is called. In other words, this is what God calls it in the spirit. He calls it Sodom, which represents flesh worship of the physical body of Jesus. I'm just putting it point blank. It signifies religion, that their whole anticipation is to see Jesus' physical body. This is something that you have got to get out of your mind or you'll never be able to understand spiritual revelation. You've got to get the physical body of Jesus out of your mind. And you've got to see him in the spirit. You've got to see him as he is. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, praise God. So their dead bodies shall lie in the street of the great city. Now somebody said, what street? Understand the, the city is a spiritual city, as I have stated, that stretches all through the Bible. Hallelujah. And the street always symbolizes the way that the people that stand in the street preaching the message. Why? Because they won't, they're not accepted in the other places of worship. They're not accepted. So they're in the street. In other words, they're in a totally different place that's away from that which is recognized as the church. That's why we're here today and we're having church at home. Oh, hallelujah. <laughs> now, so they shall lie in the street of the great city which spiritually is called Sodom and Egypt. Look, where also our Lord was crucified. Now you see, so let that sink in for a minute. Jesus wasn't just crucified in Jerusalem. He was crucified 
by the spirit of Sodom, the Sodom city. He was crucified by the spirit of the Egypt city. Pastor White, can I can I give you something with that to help the people grasp your, your point there? Come when, on. When that word was, where also our Lord was crucified, that was just placed there by scholars because we know Jesus died at Golgotha in the past. But when you look at the original manuscript, it's there is not a tense in there. It's just simply a statement where the Lord is crucified. Okay. So, so this is powerful. And if you see it that way, you understand that uh, the uh, the great city, where spirit, which spiritually is called Sodom in Egypt, is where the Lord is crucified, and that is backed up by Hebrews chapter six, as you pointed out yesterday, that they crucified to themselves the Son of God afresh. So if if we look at it as was, which denotes a single event, you miss the point pastors making. If Jesus was Melchizedek and he delivered a message during the time of Abraham and Sodom, that rejection of that message was a crucifixion. Jesus was being crucified back there. Yes. And that's the context of what... So when you read that, read it as, where our also our Lord is crucified. He is crucified. Because he's always being crucified it's in that city. It's an ongoing process. It's a Jesus. way of thinking, the street. If you could look at the street as a way of thinking... Okay. Okay. Very good. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for letting me Minister, that. Bob Mellinger for that. Praise the Lord. Now, I wanted to, uh, when Sodom is mentioned, anytime you mention the word Sodom, the minds of people just quickly, quickly goes into that realm where they're thinking about uh, the subject of unnatural sexual activity. That's all they can see. Why? Because that's all that's been preached about it. We're here with a message of explanation about the city of Sodom. So there's an entire, entire teaching here that we're going into. Now, let's talk about Melchizedek. Let's talk about Melchizedek being there at Sodom. Now, when you come to understand that Melchizedek was actually and emphatically Yeshua, when you come to understand that Melchizedek was Jesus, hallelujah, and that Melchizedek is Jesus, when you come to that understanding, then you come, you're able to understand why he, why Jesus, the high priest of God, Jesus is called throughout the book of Hebrews, the high priest. The Bible lets us know that book of Hebrews is full of that teaching about Melchizedek. And Melchizedek was there. Now, let me explain why he was there under the name Melchizedek. The reason he was there under the name of Melchizedek is because Melchizedek was an explanatory name. Amen. 
It was an explanatory name for the mission and for the Amen. ministry of Yeshua and the ministry of Jesus. Because of the word Melchizedek uh, it, it, in Psalms chapter 110 verse 4. Let's turn, let's turn there and, uh, and pull this up, Brother David. Uh, Psalms chapter 110 and verse 4, Brother uh, Bob Bellinger, when we get there, uh, read it. I'm there. All right. Uh, I'm almost there. <laughs> All right. Psalms 1, chapter 110, and verse 4. Yeah. All hey, right. I lost it. Okay. Shall I pull it up? Okay. The Lord has sworn and will not repent. Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Okay. Now, take that word, David. Take the word Melchizedek right there and click on it. And click on it. What you're going to find, it takes you to number 4442. Are you we're there? there? Yeah, we're there. Okay. Brother Bob, would you like yeah, to so, pick, pick Okay, so, so that... That Hebrew word is a com compound word. It's made from two words, one being the word for king and the other being the word for right. So he's he's called the king of right. Okay. So now what I'm trying to show you is that Jesus was there with a special message. And the reason he was called Melchizedek is because it came from this word, melech, melech, which means a king or royal. And then it goes to number 4427. Number 4427. We were at uh, 44. Did I say, uh, okay, 40. 6664, is that what you're talking about? Uh, I have 4428. Yes, 4428 and 4427. Oh, okay. Yes. All right. You're right. I'm, I'm going to open okay. 4428. King, right, king. Yeah. Okay, king. Now, can you go to the, doesn't it refer you to the word 4427? Yes. Yes. Okay, go to that word. And that word means malak. Malak. In other words, Malak, you see how closely, look at this, how closely these idolatrous religions tied themselves into God, like the god Molech that they worshipped and sacrificed their children to the yeah. god Molech. It's almost just like this name, Malak. Okay, Malak to ascend to reign, to ascend the throne. So Melchizedek, Melchizedek, this is why he says, uh, Brother Bob, pull up that uh, verse, pull up that verse where he says, which by interpretation means, uh, which by Yeah, that's that's Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 7. Okay. And 
and verse two, I think. All right. Heading there. Now, the reason he gave this name Melchizedek. Is yes, first. Huh? Yeah, it's Hebrews seven two. Okay, read it. To whom also Abraham gave a tenth of part of all, first being by interpretation king of righteousness. Okay. And after that, also king of Salem, which is king of peace. Okay, king. Okay, and so now I hope that you're understanding why Jesus was called Melchizedek here. Because he is the king of righteousness and the king of Shalom. The king of Shalom is the king of peace. There's not an earthly king that is the king of righteousness. There's not an earthly king that is the king of peace. Now, in case you're wondering what this has to do with Sodom, <laughs> you have to understand that, that Jesus, who, who there was called Melchizedek, was there with a special message for Sodom. That's right. Amen. Amen. Okay. He had come there with a special message for Sodom. That's why we see Sodom, the king of Sodom. Think about it. The king of Sodom. You think that Jesus would have come there just to meet up with someone that was, a, that was involved in unnatural sexual activity? No. He was there with a message because Sodom in the spiritual was at one time connected to God. Amen. Amen. And they left their connection with God and went into idolatrous worship. And in that form of idolatrous worship, it was a practice to get naked. It was a practice for them to take off their clothes. This is why, as I explained yesterday, when Moses came down from off of Mount Sinai and the people were worshiping the golden calf, and the Bible says that they were naked, they had taken off their clothes. Why? Because they felt that this was the discarding of that where they could offer their entire being to this idol God. Okay. So now, so this is where we, we uh, got into uh, in Genesis chapter 14, verse 17. Are we there? I'll be there, Brother David. Uh, Genesis chapter 14, verse Wait. 17. I'm sorry, we're here. I muted my mic. Okay. And the king of Sodom went out to meet Abraham. That's who the hymn is. Abraham, after his return of the slaughter of Peter Lamar, and of the kings that were with him at the valley of Shava. 
and Melchizedek, king of Shalom, brought forth bread and wine, and Melchizedek was the priest of the Most High God. He was the Son of God. He was Jesus, the Most High Priest. Amen. Now, you see, in all of this, in Sodom that was going on, Sodom had left its devotion to God, which we found out in the message yesterday that the word Sodomite, the word Sodomite, which is actually rendered in the Bible. Amen. The word Sodomite rendered in the Bible also carries the definition, it takes you to the definition of consecration or dedication to that which can be to God, something that is sanctified for God. Or it can take you the other direction, which takes you in to that which is dedicated to worship that is not God. Okay, so now Jesus continues to be crucified in this city of Sodom. Why? Because it takes people away from the spiritual truth of Melchizedek. It takes people's attention away from the spiritual truth of Jesus and who he really is. And, you know, you you can't get religious people to accept the fact that the Holy Ghost is Jesus. Amen. <laughs> they won't accept that. Except, you know, people that have that revelation when Jesus came back, he came back into the upper room. On the day of Pentecost, he came back, and he came in the Holy Spirit. So you, you, know, what the, you know what the thought is that religious people entertain? I've got a comforter. I have a substitute for Jesus. Mm -hmm. I ha that's why that the miraculous lingers. Okay. That's why that the recreative power of God doesn't go into action because the thoughts of religious people are waiting. They're waiting, waiting for the real man, mm. Jesus, to come back. They can't accept the fact that Jesus is already here. He's here. He came back in the Holy Ghost. Amen. That's why he said, yet a little while and the world seeth me no more. But you'll be able to see me. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. And how do we see him? Because we see him in the power of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. So when you when you continually hold on to the thought, I'm waiting for the real Jesus to get back, you're crucifying him. <laughs> A amen. That's amen. Right. Because the 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 power that he restored at his crucifixion 
Uh, and 50 days later, when the promise of the Holy Ghost or the Comforter was poured out, this was it. You shall receive power from on high. Amen. And so you're crucifying that power by saying that it did not return on the day of Pentecost. That's and right. therefore, it, it, you have effectively stopped the ability of God to move in the earth. That's exactly right. That's what has put the brakes on the move of God. And that's what has put the brakes on the miraculous happening now because people are still waiting for Jesus to get back. You see? And all, that ideal is part of idolatry. Get a hold of this. Hallelujah. Uh, Brother Bob Manager had something special to bring in to us uh, from uh, the book of Romans. And uh, I'm going to let him bring that dissertation. And don't go away. And before you do leave us today, as I have said, please go to our donation page and make a donation to help us continue to carry this message and herald this message around the world. Hallelujah. Praise God very, 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 very soon. We'll be, we will be broadcasting, uh, bouncing off of 72 satellites around the world. Hallelujah. In a special radio broadcast. I'll tell you more about it as it develops. Praise the Lord. Brother Bob, come on in and tell us. Yeah, yeah David, we're in Romans 1 and uh, verse, um, let's see, 18. Okay. And, and. And the, the, Holy, the Holy Spirit just quickened that to me, and I was talking to the pastor about it, how this really will put it in New Testament perspective, that this is what has been going on and continues to go on, and why and how Jesus continues to be crucified uh, yeah. within, the, within the ranks of the church. So uh, this should help you, you all out, that and for the, the wrath of, of church, God... Spiritually, go Brother Bob, been telling the ranks of the church is spiritually called Sodom and Egypt. Right, and, and, and the ranks of the church, this way of thinking is called the street yes. of, the, of the city spiritually called Sodom and Egypt. It has the likeness, the personality of both the Sodom and the Egypt personality commingled together, and, and it's what rules in this street. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unright unrighteousness of men. There, there it is right there, unrighteousness. What is Melchizedek? He's king the king of righteousness. of righteousness. There you go. So it goes, there's the opposite. And unrighteousness of men. And it tells you right here yes. who hold the truth in unrighteousness. They don't want the message that Melchizedek delivers. And by, by holding the truth in unrighteousness, they're crucifying the message of righteousness. Amen. And, and if you move up, he'll show you the idolatry uh, in, in verse 23. They changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image or a likeness made like to corruptible man and to birds and the four-footed beast and creeping things. So you see how when you hold the truth in unrighteousness, because that nature, that human nature that wants to comfort itself and wants to have this conscious relationship with a physical manifestation— instead of a spiritual God and a relationship in the spirit, then how you begin to, to have these physical icons 
uh, of worship and ideas and concepts and imaginations in, uh, in your own mind of a physical being and how um, you end up changing the uncorruptible glory of God into an image. Yes. And that's what they did, uh, as Pastor pointed out, with the golden calf. And how ultimately uh, that, that strips you of your covering of righteousness, which is the covering of Christ, making yeah. you naked and Make ashamed. Sure so as Pastor was saying, they took off their clothes to do this because they understood spiritually what it represented. But today we can't seem to yeah, grasp right. that concept. But they totally understood it. So look look at this, how this connects to our concept of Sodom now. Wherefore God, in verse 24, God gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves Um uh, and then for, for this cause, verse 26, God, thank, God, God gave them up unto vile affection. So because spiritually they were doing this, it began to manifest in the natural. For even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise, also the men leaving the natural use of the women burned in their lust one toward another with men working that which is unseemly and receiving in themselves the reward of their error. There it is, that spirit of error. John, yes. John, Apostle John talked about that over and over, that Antichrist is the spirit of error. So everywhere Jesus shows up, you've got the spirit opposing it, where you can see that the truth was revealed to the people, and then there is the spirit of error that takes up. And so, in essence, they're worshiping, you know, this God, which is the spirit of error, or is Antichrist, or the Antichrist. And, and as you, Kim talked about how the individual boxes were connected to one bigger box, denoting this collective where, where people keep joining to them, themselves to this way of thinking. The same thing is happening on the other side. They join themselves to that way of thinking as these individual. And what are they doing? They're increasing the energy level. All right. So yes. the darkness, the power grows, but also the body of Christ, the power grows as more people join unto it. So I just wanted to, to show you this. Here it is in Romans, in the New Testament, and it totally bears out what Pastor White is saying about Sodom be, being this city where our Lord is crucified. Yes. Mm. Amen. Amen. Leave it there. Praise God. Very, very good. Amen. Oh, hallelujah. I want to go back now to Revelation chapter 11. Thank you, uh, uh, Prophet Bob Mellinger, for that explanation that I pray that people are able to grasp everything that God is giving us to say here today. Now, you see, and when, uh, when Brother Bob was talking about this, this goes all the way through the history of the people of God and the sons of God all the way into the Roman times. You see, when when uh, they tried to kill all of the Christians and all of the people that believed in God, that was part of the two witnesses dying. Amen. And somebody said, well, but what about the, their bodies? They wouldn't let their bodies be put in graves. Well, if you want to talk literally, I, there are many martyrs throughout history that were not buried in graves. They were thrown into trenches. Yeah. They've been bulldozed over with dirt. They didn't put them in a grave. Mike, come on. See, we're, we're dealing with something spiritual here, folks. 
I wanted to read in Revelation chapter 11 and verse 3. Uh, tell me when we're there so the people can see it. We're there. Revelation chapter 11, verse 3. And I will give power unto my two witnesses, and they shall prophesy a thousand two hundred and sixty. That's what three score is. And sixty days clothed in sackcloth. Okay. Now, in my explanation yesterday, I was endeavoring to make you to uh, try to make you understand that the a period of time that the two witnesses two witnesses prophesy are not just a literal three and one half years or a thousand two hundred sixty days of twenty four hour days, but it stretches into years. When you move into prophetic language. It stretches into years and, and stretches all the way from Abraham when he was there at Sodom, all the way from Abraham to 2020. I'm going to give you something very exciting about that in just a moment, but look at what, he, what God says here. And they shall prophesy 1,260 days clothed in sackcloth. These are the two now wait, somebody said, what has this got to do with Sodom? That's where they're prophesying. <laughs> <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. You see, they have been prophesying in Sodom ever since the days of literal Sodom. The yes. witnesses of God have been prophesying throughout the ages. The Holy they Spirit, been, the Holy Spirit uh, just dropped into my spirit. Stop, get your eye off of what the people in Sodom were doing and get your eye on what the prophets were doing in Sodom. Thank you. Praise God. That's right. Get your eye off of the natural thing and get it on that which is the spiritual revelation yes. that God is endeavoring to give to you. Listen to what he says here. These are the two olive trees. And, the, and I'm in verse 4. Revelation chapter 11, verse 4, and the two candlesticks standing before the God of the earth. Now, according to the book of Revelation, a candlestick always represents a church. Yes. Just read it for yourself in the book of Revelation, chapter Amen. 1. You can study it out. Which is an assembly. I like to use that word because people have these concepts of a of yes. a denomination or a building or something. Yes. It's an assembly of yes. people, like-minded people. Right. And and furthermore, <clears throat> that assembly doesn't have to be an assemblage physically. It is an assemblage by the spirit. Yes. Amen. They that are joined unto the Lord. Amen. You see God is bringing his groups of excuse me, witnesses, he's bringing them together by the Spirit. Amen. Now watch this. These are the two olive trees and the two candlesticks standing before the God of the earth. Now, this is not an isolated scripture. We don't have time to go into it today. Probably will. we will later. But Zechariah saw the same thing. Yes, he did. Amen. 
He saw it. Not only did he see the candlestick, but he saw the olive tree. Amen. And he saw the golden pipes. <laughs> <laughs> you see, praise God. You have to understand the golden pipe is the voice. The voice. That's the golden pipe that pours out the oil of anointing. You see, what we're giving to you, I feel that anointing. My God, what we're giving to you today is the anointing that breaks and destroys the yoke. Yes. Hallelujah. And un and understand that the oil press is the pressure that yes. the sons of God are kept under. Right. The that first produce thing. this oil. Yeah. You know, Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You, you know, this is this is a powerful revelation because, you know, the, the way they get the olives out of the tree, they beat them down. Hallelujah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Hallelujah. They beat the olives down, and then after they beat the olives down, then they roll them over and press the oil out of them. So in, in case you're wondering what's happening in your life, there it is. Hallelujah. <laughs> and, and if I might add, that is what the five wise virgins told the unwise virgins to go find these sons yes. and get yes. some oil from them. Yes. Amen. You see, folks, this is a, this is such a powerful revelation, and it's all through the Bible. Every time you cite a, a verse of scripture. It carries this revelation. Now these are these are the, the two olive trees, and there's a lot to be said about the two olive trees. I can't get off on that today, but the uh, the two olive trees. Now, why are there two two olive trees, two candlesticks? Why? Because we have one in the Old Testament. We have one in the New Testament. Now, when you talk about the olive tree, we have the natural olive tree, and we have the wild olive tree, and we have the good olive tree. Hallelujah. So I won't get into that today uh, and uh, further confuse you. Hallelujah. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. Uh, we're just we're doing our best to explain all of this to you. But what I what I brought out uh, yesterday in the message. Now, when we look at these, when we look at these witnesses that started prophesying all the way back at the time of Abraham. They started prophesying all the way back there, and somebody said, "Why did they start there at Abraham?" Well, because of Matthew chapter one and verse seventeen. So all the generations from Abraham to David are 14 generations, and from David until the carrying away into Babylon are 14 generations, and from the carrying away into Babylon unto Christ are 14 generations. So you see, there are three sets of 14 generations. So when you multiply these uh, three sets times 14, you come out with 42. If you take 42 and multiply it 
times the years that are in a generation, which is 30, you come out with precisely 1,260. Okay. So I, I brought that out, endeavoring to show you that this prophecy has been going on ever since the days of Abraham. And that's why Jesus said, Abraham rejoiced to Amen, amen. Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it, and was glad. Amen. Oh, praise God. I want to. I want to go on over. So the uh, since the city is spiritually called Sodom in Egypt, it must require spiritual eyes to see it. It must require spiritual understanding to understand it. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So if you're if you're having a struggle, just ask God to expand your understanding into the realm of prophetic revelation. Ask him. Hallelujah. The city stretches across the ages. Oh, hallelujah. I don't have time to go into this, uh, the other part here. Uh, we'll, we'll deal with that. Father. Pastor White, can I, can I inject something uh, cool. in reference to the prophecy of the two witnesses? David, if you go back to that uh, Revelation 11, 11 3, and, and where he said, I will give power unto my two witnesses, that word power there is italicized. So he's saying, I will give unto my two witnesses, and they shall prophesy. Okay, okay, that's how it reads in the original. I will give unto my two witnesses, and they shall prophesy. And verse 6 is where it tells you what it is. They have power to shut heaven, that it rain not in the days of their prophecy, and have power over the waters to turn them to blood, and to smite the earth with all plagues as often as they will. So the two witnesses stretching from from Abraham, as Pastor White is explaining here, all the way to 2020, are those that have the three-and-one-half-year testimony of Jesus Christ ministry. Yes. So the prophetic anointing coming out of their mouth, and this is why the beast hates them, and why he makes war with them, and why the people of the earth make merry when they are killed, is because... I'll, the reaction of the physical earth with what is coming out of the, the mouth of the people that make up the body of these two witnesses is producing all of this reaction in the physical earth. And you see it happening in this hour right now again. Yes, yes. Thank you. Thank you, uh, Brother Bob Mellinger. That's, that's powerful. And appreciate that so very much. Now, I've already covered uh, most of this uh, uh, in the message today, but I wanted to tell you that uh, uh, if you if you stretch the, the the prophecy of these two witnesses all the way from Abraham, you you go right through all of the things that happened under Moses, and everything you read here in the Book of Revelation, he did that. He did that. And you keep, uh, you, you go right on into the ministry of the two witnesses. Elijah closed the heavens for three and a half years. That's right. 
that there was no rain. So you see, the two witnesses are not just two people that are going to be standing alone on the street corner, you know, you know, yelling some kind of a message uh, that this is a prophetic message that has been going on throughout the ages. And so has Sodom been going on. So has Egypt. That's why Egypt was after Moses. That's why they chased him. That, that, Sodom was the dragon chasing mm-hmm. Moses and these people of God. That, praise God. So the prophecy's been going on forever. Praise God. And it's going to continue on. I I probably won't get to it today, but uh, it's going to go on until, oh, hallelujah. (laughs) You will just be amazed at what God says is going to happen when he finishes this thing up. In other words, now, when I say when he finishes this up, I mean when he reaches the total, ultimate apex of the point aimed at as a goal for this age. Hallelujah. When God wraps this up, and that's what I'm hanging on for. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise God. Hallelujah. Now, I wanted to, uh, I, we covered that. Uh, the faith uh, Sodom typifies the realm of flesh worship. The realm of flesh worship. Somebody said, Pastor, what, what are you talking about? Listen, how many songs do you hear about wanting to put their fingers into the nail prints or standing somewhere in the shadows? You'll find Jesus and you'll know him by the nail prints in his hands. Come on. Everything is about the flesh that people associate in their minds with Jesus or with Yeshua. You you see, and this, our our entire effort in bringing this message to you is to hopefully move you out of the realm of your flesh thinking and your carne mind. Hallelujah. See, carnival meant the display of flesh. Hallelujah. That's where it all started. Carnival, the display of flesh. So you see, and if you hang Onto those thoughts. The Bible says that is death. That's right. Mm-hmm. Amen. That will bring death to work in you and in your spirit, your mind, your body, your soul, your everything. It even works in your finances. It'll cause the downfall in finances. It causes so many things to happen. When people hold on to the flesh aspect, you got to turn it loose, let it go. Sodom typifies the realm of flesh worship, and they worshiped 
and serve the creature more than the creator. Hallelujah. Egypt typifies bondages placed on God's people. The Pharaoh spirit makes religious slaves, as I have said earlier, indoctrinating the people with fears. Fears! Indoctrinating them with fears if they don't keep the ritual laws of the do's and don'ts of their religion. If they, if they don't practice that, they're headed straight for hell. You see, that's the deception of the dragon and the serpent. Now, at, you know, mm -hmm. right here at this mm -hmm. point is where I hear, I hear this ringing. Uh, Out of Egypt have I called my son. Hallelujah. Yeah. Out of Egypt have I called my son. Hallelujah. You can read that in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 2 and verse 15. You can read it. And Matthew resounds that prophecy from the book of Hosea. The book of Hosea chapter 11 and verse 1. Out of Egypt have I... That's what we're doing today. We're calling God's sons out of Egypt. Yeah. We're calling God's sons out of Sodom. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. Are you getting it now? Amen. Out of flesh worship and bondage. Amen. She has God raises up sons in the great city called Sodom and Egypt to lead God's people out of bondage. This is why he keeps raising up people and voices in this city of Sodom and Egypt. Amen. That's why they keep getting thrown out of the yeah. churches. Hallelujah. <laughs> they keep getting killed. Yes. yes. Crucified. They're, they're like, man, this message, this message you're t telling me is bringing pain into my life. Get out of here. I don't want this message. <laughs> and that's why we see the fire everywhere throughout the, the, the scriptures. Something is getting burned up. And, yes. Or something's getting burned out of you. Yes. So, Amen. Yes. The fire. Amen. The fire is everywhere to to burn it out. Yeah. And, 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 and America is literally on fire. Literally. Amen. Yeah. Yep. Amen. Amen. All the way from the wildfires, you know, up in the in the redwood areas, yeah. and all the prairie, the the uh, the fires all down through California. Then the fires are. In New York City and every place in Minneapolis. Why? God is calling his people to come to understand what the fire is about. This is the two witnesses. Yes. The two witnesses are, are causing this stuff to manifest. That's yes. Right. The, the rejection yes. of the two witnesses. And the rejection of the message. You see, this is this was part of our entire message from beginning to end. That the seal is opened, which is the understanding of the message. And then the trumpet sounds what is seen in the seal. And the trumpet is the voice of those witnesses carrying the message of God. And those that don't receive the message when they hear it, then they receive of the plagues that are pulled out. 
There it is, the two witnesses. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, the two witnesses of God have been prophesying in this great city for an exact time period of three times. And this is very significant. Three times 1,260. If you take 1,260 and multiply it by three, now somebody said, where did you get the three from? Hallelujah. I got the three. I got the three from, watch, there were three sets of 14 generations. Okay? Three sets of 14 generations. Now, if you take that number three and you multiply it times 1,260 from Abraham to this year right now that you're living in, 2020, it comes to a total of 3,280 years. And these two witnesses have been prophesying that whole period of time. Yes. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. The sons that God is raising up have the anointing of the Christ Yeshua. Yes. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. They have the anointing of the Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. These who will lead the people of God out of the bondage of Egypt and Pharaoh, they have the anointing of the Christ Yeshua. Hallelujah. I also see a new thing God is doing as these sons with the Christ anointing rise up and go forth I see the power of reconciliation come into full fruition I see this and the confirmation is written in the scripture Amen I have been preaching this for years that God wants to reconcile the entire creation hallelujah so I want to go over here now I want to go over here now and uh, read this is what God spoke to him not long after God spoke in my spirit Sodom in Egypt where also our Lord was crucified again I heard God speak and he said these words to me Suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Well, instantly I knew what he was talking about. Instantly I knew that he was talking about Sodom. Hallelujah. Amen. That's good. All right. Yeah, that's good. All right. Mm. When he said that in my spirit, I knew immediately that he was talking about Sodom. So I looked it up. Jude, chap, chapter 1, there's only one chapter. Chapter 1, verse 7. Brother David, can we go there? Yes, uh, give me one second. Jude, chapter 1, verse 7.
Praise God. All right. You're not going to find it looking for chapter 1. It'll just say 7, probably, or 7. Oh, okay. All right. Let me go on. All right. Uh, we're there. Even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh, are set forth for an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Now, we have to study each of these words to get the full meaning of what God was saying here. Now, the very first word is vitally important. Suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Let's look at the word suffering. Let's look at it. Did it come up to number 5254? Yes. Watch. To hold oneself under. That is endure with patience. <clears throat> now, wait a minute. If I'm forever lost, what good is patience? <laughs> Isn't that true? If I'm going to be forever lost, why do I need patience? What do I need patience? What am I waiting for? Hallelujah. All right. Let's continue on. Now, I believe this goes up. Uh, I believe this goes to, to the words. Uh, uh, it's from 5259. Did you get that, Brother David? Yeah, we have it. Okay. And hoopo. In other words, I keep myself in place. I keep myself under myself. In other yes. words... I can't allow myself to get impatient. I have to put myself under my feet, beneath. With the accusative case, a place or below, of inferior position or condition. Covertly, in other words, I'm going through something now that I now watch what he what the writer was saying here in the book of Jude about Sodom was they the people that do do not come out and they suffer the vengeance of what happens you suffer the vengeance you have to keep yourself patient for God to bring you out of that. And what I'm actually seeing here is reconciliation at work. That's what I'm seeing. And all of this, I see a progressive work in God's grace in motion here. It's happening. 
Now, here are some scriptures that may rock your beliefs. Hallelujah. I'm going to give you this, and then I'm going to, I'm going to close this down and uh, bring Brother Bob back and Brother David or whoever wants to come in. Here's some scripture that you need to look at. It's in the book of Ezekiel. The book of Ezekiel, chapter 16, verse 44. Brother David, tell me when you're there. And we are there. All right. Now, folks, follow along. I'm getting ready to tell you something about Sodom that's going to shock your world. Behold, everyone that use of Proverbs shall use this proverb against thee, saying, As is the mother, so is her daughter. Thou art thy mother's daughter that loatheth, or that hateth her husband and her children. And thou art the sister of thy sisters which hated their husbands and their children. Your mother was an Hittite and your father was an Amorite. And watch this, verse 46, and thine elder city, uh, the elder sister, is Samaria. She and her daughters that dwell at thy left hand. Now God is talking here to Israel, talking to Jerusalem. Watch it. Thine elder sister is Samaria, she and her daughters that dwell at thy left hand, and her younger sister that dwelleth at thy right hand is Sodom. And her daughters. Get this. Look at it closely. It is astonishing here that God calls Sodom the younger sister of Jerusalem. That's pretty amazing. That is. Well, look at the relationship here. What is the relationship? What does Jerusalem represent? It represents, along with Sodom, the place where Jesus is crucified. Get a hold of this. We're looking at a progressive work of reconciliation taking place here. Watch this. Hallelujah. Now this is what God saw about Sodom. Watch it closely. It's in Ezekiel chapter 16 verse, we're starting in verse 48. As I live, saith the Lord God, Sodom thy sister hath not done, she nor her daughters, as thou hast done, thou and thy daughters. Behold, this was the iniquity of thy sister Sodom. Look at it. Look. Pride. Fullness of bread. Mm. Sounds like America. And abundance of idleness was in her. 
and in her daughters. Neither did she strengthen the hand of the poor and the needy. <laughs> and they were haughty and committed abomination before me. Therefore, I took them away as I saw good. Whew. Wow. They were blessed city. My God. Wow. Hear it. Mm. Amen. Mm -mm -mm. This is heavy. Folks, this is heavy. Wow. And all we've ever seen up to this point is it was a city full of homosexuals and he, God had destroyed it. Yeah, right, right. My God. Thank now you. Now let's look at Ezekiel chapter 16, verse 53. Look at it. Ezekiel chapter 16, verse 53. When I shall bring again their captivity, the captivity of Sodom and her daughters, and the captivity of Samaria and her daughters, then will I bring again the captivity of thy captives in the midst of them, that thou mayest bear thine own shame and mayest be confounded in all that thou hast done in that thou art a comfort unto them. Now watch closely. This is going to blow you away. When thy sisters Sodom and her daughters shall return to their former estate. Oh, there it is. Wow. Wow. Oh, my, 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 my. Wow. Mm -mm. When thy sister Sodom and her daughters shall return to their former estate. What are we looking at? Reconciliation. Yes. <laughs> Great exchange. Repentance. <laughs> Returning to the top. Hallelujah. And Samaria and her daughters shall return to their former state. Then thou and thy daughters shall return to your former state. Now, I'm just letting the word of God do the preaching here. <laughs> Black and white. Huh? In black and white. This is in Harlow White. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. This is written in your Bible. Now look at what he says. In the context of all this, God says he will punish them. But then he says in Ezekiel chapter 16, verse 42. Let's, let's follow along here. Ezekiel chapter 16, verse 42. We're there. So, are we there? Yeah, we're there. So will I make my fury toward thee to rest, and my jealousy shall depart from thee, and I will be quiet and will be angry no more. What was God saying? You turned your back on me? I'm going to let you suffer the consequences of it. But after you maintain your patience, I will eventually bring you out of it. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. My Lord. Awesome. Thank you, Father. Thank you. 
after God knows they have been punished, he will be satisfied and angry no more. This is what I have been saying. I've been saying this for years. Now God says it for me. Turn to the book of Micah. Micah, M-I-C-A-H, Micah, in the Old Testament, chapter 7. Book of Micah, chapter 7. Tell me when we're there. Uh, we're there. Verse 1? Uh, 18. Okay, we're there. Chapter 7, verse 18. Who is like unto thee that pardoneth iniquity and passeth by the transgression of the remnant of his heritage? He retaineth not his anger forever because he delighteth in mercy. Oh, Amen. man. <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. Praise God. Religious people don't like that. They, no, no, no. <laughs> he says, he says he will turn again. He will have compassion upon us. He will subdue our iniquities. And thou will cast all their sins into the depths of the sea. Mm. Hallelujah. Praise God. <laughs> this is awesome. Amen. Praise, Praise God. God. Heavenly Father, take the word. Thank you, Lord. Let it take hold in the heart and the spirit of every person. Yes, Lord. Father, we never heard in the confines of religion that Sodom would be brought back to her former state. Yes. We never heard that message. But now that we're here where we can hear what you have to say, yes, Lord. you have given to us the message directly from your word. Yes, Lord. And on this note, no one can argue with the message of reconciliation that eventually God will bring the entire creation back to himself. Amen. Amen. And that it is impossible for anybody to be forever lost. Yes, Lord. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you. I'm pastor and prophet of God, Harlow White, here today. I pray you were blessed with today's message. And now let's pray and believe God for a miracle. Heavenly Father, I bring every person that has listened to the message that you gave to me today. I pray for them, and I send the power of your word out to each one of these people. And you said that you sent your word and healed and delivered from all destruction. Heavenly Father, I send out the power of your anointing. Let the bondages of Satan be broken. Let the powers of evil spirits be broken asunder. Let every heart, soul, 
mind, spirit, and physical body be delivered from the powers of the enemy. Right now, bring victory into the life of every person, and I command the miracles to be done right now through the healing virtue of the healing stream of the divine virtue and the anointing of God. Let every person be blessed in their mind. Let every person be blessed mentally. Let every person be blessed spiritually. Let every person be blessed domestically. Let every person be blessed physically. Let every person be blessed financially. I speak the word of victory to them today, and I command a miracle to be done in their life. Praise God. Go ahead and praise God for your victory, because I feel a great anointing flowing right now. I want you to visit my website, Harlow White. That's H-A-R-L-O. Harlow White, W-H-I-T-E, HealingStream.com. Tell me if you were blessed by God's message today. Tell me what God did for you. And while you're there, visit my donation page and pray about giving a special offering to help me stay on this broadcast. I want to say thank you to everyone that will help me financially to stay on this radio broadcast. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you. I want you to tell your family and friends to listen. A new message will be on this broadcast every week. And don't forget, you can tune in to this broadcast anytime, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And God bless you and take your miracle and take your blessing today. I'll be looking forward to you tuning in next time. I send God's love to you today.